Welcome to Lat B, the only podcast that comes with a free bandits bonus. Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're here the morning after ESPN three card. All on Big ESPN, and what a showing did we have. A lot of favorites come through. If you're following the show, a humongous underdog coming through. One of the only underdogs to really come through throughout the night. But, man, what can I say here at Lappy? We're consistently making money for people, but there is going to be changes. We have been evolving, and we're going to keep on trucking, have new stuff come out, and evolving, like always. How did your night go last night, Chaney? Did you end up cashing on DraftKings? Did you place those bets? Did you make that sweet, sweet Monday? Mm, I didn't have a bad bet pick. If if I my perf- I think I did eight of twelve, um, so I didn't do bad. But Anthony Rocco Martin really hurt my night. Even though he survived the entire fight, he couldn't get off anything. Seventeen points or something. Seventeen point five, I believe, I on DraftKings. A lot of places. I would agree that was also an underdog. I was heavy on it being the Bandits bonus. So essentially, that's our Drake curse. I feel like right now. Yes. It's the yes. equivalent. It's we put that bonus on there, and it's like bye bye. You get spiked on your head. You get all the sorts of not weird stuff because again, <laughs> it was a valiant effort. <laughs> Should we keep doing it, but only our real fans know to stay away from that and like to go the opposite? Like it's a hidden. I can't do that to my boy. I can't do that to my boy. I think it needs to go into the sweet sweet night <laughs> yeah. and just like the purple rain missed off and yeah. be remembered well. So. Unfortunately, that didn't come through, but we had a fun show, and I know you did still did fairly well with about 8 of 12. Here, if you're following any manual, you went 10 of 12, only missing two, and woo, making some cash, making big plays. Again, anything in the Twitterverse we want to get into before we start this entire card off? Because it's fresh. It's in the morning. I got the blood going. Woo, we Honestly, ready. I don't know anything crazy that's gone down on Twitter. So I think we can jump right into it. To the heavyweights, where we had Mr. Maurice Green come in against Junior Baby Albini, and that diaper was full. It had all sorts of poop coming out the sides. Albini getting dropped (laughs) three times in a fight, and then getting finished. Mr. Green being the highest scorer on the entire uh, card. So we usually stay away from these guys, but it's a heavyweight fight, so... As we recommended, you kind of got to play this. And Mr. Green showed out. I didn't have any Albini. He really ended up helping me cash out throughout the night. Mr. Green being on that number one card for most people. I had no beanie, and I'm glad that I switched. I think I switched on air. I'm unsure, but I'm glad you convinced me of it. Because no beanie, and now it's three losses in a row? Four. Is it time, or do we just keep putting them up there for these contender series guys? only. It's a heavyweight. That's the only hesitation. And he stands up at least after a first knockdown, so second knockdown. Someone else can get another highlight reel. But, I mean, as far as, well, we can't trust the UFC. We just learned that again. Yeah, we just were talking about it. No one's losses matter. Yeah, especially um, at heavyweight of all divisions. Did Mr. Green call out Andre Arlovsky? He did because he ended up beating Albini as well. But that's one of the lowest. That's on Diego Sanchez level type of a call out. 
He actually said it, though. To start getting my name mentioned, I have to beat a veteran. Correct. So, man, at least he's mentioning it. Good call out. But Mr. Green, looking better than he ever has in there. We were talking about that discipline, and he really looked and started to use that length at range. Albini being a striker, Mr. Green kept that jab in his face, pumping that right, and then throwing up kicks, leg kicks as well. That was the best Mr. Green I ever seen. Yeah, he looked good in there, but then it was against no beanie. True, 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 true. So, do we officially... Can you ever bet on Nobini again? I don't think you can. I don't think you can at all. Yeah, so it's finally time to get on out of here, Mr. Mr. Baby. Green did look every good everywhere in there. Um, I didn't like that he was taking one to give one at parts of the fight. That could get dangerous with some other guys. Um, Great but point. Albini does have good power, so I am excited that um, Mr. Green's chin held up in that. So, all around, step up for Maurice Green. He beat of name. Right. How did you love the call-out and his wife and kids being in the crowd? Um, after the call-out, I zoned out. I might have walked to the kitchen or something. <laughs> good, so, good wife and kids in the crowd. Definitely. A fun one. Then we ended up moving on to 115 pounds, where we had Amanda debut and Rebus come in against Emily Spitfire Whitmire. Whitmire being a heavy favorite, minus or plus 180, minus 185, almost a two to one favorite by closing lines. We were telling you guys, uh, be tentative on this one. It's going to probably go to decision. If there's a finish, it's going to be Whitmire. After we record the podcast, I listen to other people's. And I was convinced by a few other betters out there that Whitmire was really going to steam through. So I ended up putting her on one card. And she totally shit in the bed on that one. So thanks a lot, pro betters out there. <laughs> Changing my mind. Um, I stayed away from this. Reba's looked good everywhere, but... I don't know what to think of Whitmire. I just stayed away from this fight altogether, so it didn't harm me or help me. So I did not know prior to uh, recording last time that it was actually an Osterine pop for Reboss. And Reboss was jump. Reboss was in there getting it. I'm just saying she popped for she what? She looked good. Hell I mean, yeah. her, her submission game was on point. Um, but Even her striking. Um, she did, she's been at American Top Team, though, for those three years now. Like, when she had to take that suspension... Uh, it was due to popping because she was signed a while ago. But either way, like what I saw, somebody who moves that forward and uh, is confident is going to get a lot of women out of there just in tenacity, just in total uh, overwhelming them. So where do we go with Whitmire and Rebus here? They're at 125. 115 pounds. 15. I don't know. Rebus versus Calvillo next. Let's do it. Wow, that's too, a huge. That's why I think that's Cavillo too much. Is Cavillo on a double loss? I think you're right on that. So yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah, I like that call out. And as far as for Whitmire, anybody because she was just coming off of a little win win streak, I believe. Two and in a row. Rebus and Cavillo both off um, suspensions. Ooh, but <laughs> Cavillo's weed. It's not weed. That ain't a drug. <laughs> so, on to. 205 pounds. We had a double debut. It was dirty. It was grimy. We told you guys it was going to be that way. We had Dalcha Lagiambula come in against Dequan Townshed. Townsend. Townsend ended up coming in and looking just again. Had to shape to me a little bit slow in there. This ended up going all the way into the third round, but Judoka really ended up dominating all of the rounds until the finish. Was it a little early? It wasn't Townshed or uh, Dequan here wasn't completely 
out in there, but at the same time, he wasn't really mounting any kind of concerted effort. I think that the size of that champion in there is going to really make him a betting favorite moving forward, and you're going to have to pump the brakes on him soon because a much higher competition UFC caliber type of a fighter is going to be able to exploit this young man. So I'm still not super, super hyped on him just because, again, it's another debut fighter, which I didn't think was UFC caliber. What do you end up taking away from this one? I agree with everything you're saying. Also, this starts off what we were saying about the UFC Africa. In the reins of Africa, Can't. that's on again, and you will ever fit into. <laughs> oh. That was a good one, right? That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, people are like, people who know, know what you're talking about. So, we going to Africa is what the main story of that is, and... I mean, everything. Did you even see the graphic on UFC showing, look at how many African fighters we have in the UFC right now. And it was like eight to nine mm-hmm. fighters that were all representing Niger, the Republic of Congo. Who else in there? A, bu- uh, a couple other South stacks. Africa. There it is. Um, who, where is uh, Cameroon? Uh, exactly. Where is, yeah, it's. There's enough. enough. There's enough. There's enough in there in Sidik Yusuf, Francis Ngannou, and so many others. So money is going to be in on uh, Africa versus the world. And they have a steadfast guys that they're like, oh, look at all these divisions. This is a card they're all fighting within like a two month span of each other. Let's get this going. When do you think it happens, though? The end of 2019 or is it a 220 type of prediction? I think it would be a 220 type of prediction and it would be something that they do like you know a five month build up on not just pulled out of their ass like a real build up I think they are really uh picky with the fighters they put on it maybe that's where even a headliner of that card or a co-main event is a winner of Khabib versus Dustin versus Tony Ferguson or versus GSP or whatever direction they go with that. Like, it could have other things filled into it along with some of these African fighters, but I just think it sets up a good base. We can dream. I can even hear the music. Like, I can hear it. Usman's a headliner. He's a headliner because he's a champ, but you got Nagano as a co-main event there. Woo! That's some hot fire. so good. So, So, such a good... Billing, booking schedule. If you listen to IB, you're getting free advice, UFC. We know you listening. We know you listening. <laughs> I see those producers like in my <laughs> Twitterverse stuff. So, anything left with either one of these guys? No, but I agree. Uh, I'm interested in Dequan a little bit. He took a lot of abuse from and power, so I'm interested in a full training. He was on like a four-day notice or something. Yes, he dunk. was. And, so, and probably he'll fight at a lot lower weight class, so... We'll see. I'm not counting them out altogether. And um, we forgot to mention about the Griffin Murdoch falling out. Oh, that is correct. We ended up having, and this actually with the Daliach champion here, he ended up not being on the DraftKings, which was 8,700. Eventually, he was the favorite against Townshed in there. So it's just the way it played out. Then we ended up having a fight fall out i was telling you we had a bit of a hothead in murdoch was telling you that he's alpha male prototype but (laughs) i'm just throwing shade it was actually a medical suspension not suspension he didn't pass a physical for the ufc so they were doing the basic week of stuff and he didn't disclose what it was 
I don't know if it was a hernia. He had a nagging knee or ankle injury. It was officially, though, called off. So we didn't get to profile that fight. And I was thinking we were going to get a big win in there because uh, Murdoch seemed like That a, was kind of where I first started to have to trade my cards around. And he was a good price for what I thought was going to be a good amount of points. So yep. that was a bummer to lose him. To lose Griffin in that fight. Yeah. 100% agreed. I was definitely having to change my cards when that fell out, unfortunately. So... On to a profile showcase fight for Jared Gordon at 155 pounds against Dan Moret. This was actually a hairy one. Dan Moret in the first round ended up showing where Gordon kind of tends to wade in a little bit. And when you pressure forward, you can land punches. And that's a bit of a flaw for uh, Gordon. The will is there. The heart's there. But he needs to bring some technical movement in that head at times because he was just getting served up some uppercuts and right hands at times where Dan Moret was looking really good. Again, that first round definitely went to Moret. But Gordon ended up turning it up, going into the deep water, using his wrestling, finally getting it to the ground where Moret obviously had a disadvantage advantage and uh, peppered him into a 98 type of point type of score for Gordon. I don't think it was that big of a win. I don't think it's that big of a loss for Moore. I could see both of these guys moving okay forward, but at 155, it's a, it ain't a slim pickings. You can throw any name out there and you're going to get it. They're deep in that division. Jaron Gordon getting back on track. I had Gordon on two cards and he wasn't an awful score, but for the price, it was kind of, mm, and very scary dude, very scary win for him, I should say. It was, for people that went heavy in the paint on him, I thought, oh, this would threaten a night. And there was a few times in there against a guy like Dan Moret that I thought he was in a ton of trouble. So, yeah, I, I don't know where either guy goes too far forward. I think uh, Dan Moret, it looked like his skill set was a little stunted with going up against everything that Gordon had. And then Gordon just looked chinny and put himself in very danger. He he can't afford to give one to get in the inside, and he did every time. Uh, there were sketchy takedowns. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would, I'm kind of going to stay away from both guys going forward. I actually like Moret in other spots because he was grindy enough and grimy enough that I think that he can uh, Against some with... hot newbies coming up. Yeah, yeah where like Gordon is going to keep being a favorite, and it's like, nah, he's going to keep fighting better competition. And again, there's uh, a direct path, and it's landing on that chin, and he gives people the option. Again, power strikers are definitely going to be his weakness as he goes on further. Talking about power strikers at 205 pounds, we had Eric, your boy Anders, coming in against Vinicius Morea Mutate, ended up getting a TKO round number one. We said it on our breakdown. This was going to go one of two ways. Submission round number two or three for Vinicius in there or TKO round one Anders, but that was it. This fight wasn't going the distance. If you put a prop on that play, you ended up cashing because this went all of one minute and 18 seconds. Being Aaron Anders just showing that uh, he has better boxing than a guy who probably isn't UFC caliber in there and it's been proven time and time again. Maria has very limited striking and defense at that and in this division at 205 pounds, everybody got power. So you just can't afford to not be able to get it to the ground. We saw a bit of takedown defense, and then all of a sudden, again, once Marias was forced to strike with him, it was all downhill. What'd you take away from your boy's performance in here? It wasn't a bad sprawl by Anders. I think his takedown defense is getting even better, and if 
you know, his striking is going to be getting more crisp. We know he already has the power and the cardio is going to be getting better. I might have been a little too harsh on him. I'm glad um, you kind of convinced me to stay with him because he was a strong guy on a lot of my cards and um, really showed out. Uh, I like everything I saw from Eric Anders. I think he'll fight again real soon. The UFC knows that. It was kind of a gimme fight. So um, I think he'll fight within six weeks. Eric Anders wow. will be on another card. Wow, wow, wow. I think he's that kind of fighter. I think well, he took zero damage zero. in this fight. Zero I think he's damage. Fight in like six weeks. He'll fill in short notice on some card. Yep. And um, Was he talking about Nevada as well in his post show? Uh, San Antonio. Maybe. There it is. San Antonio. I believe you're right on that. So hey, that, that is a short turnaround. That's about eight weeks away, somewhere in that range. So. Yeah, he's ready again. And he's Mar- making quick rank crawl, like uh, or not quick rank crawlings as much as quick fan building. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Definitely ended up being like I believe nine thousand four hundred in there. So I had some exposure to him. He played out none to Vinicius in here. Do you think Vinicius gets one more shot? It's been two KOs in a row. Do they just throw him into somebody else to get a win, and then it's on out of here for him, or is it time to go? Uh, it depends on if the, he probably has another fight left on his contract. And, uh, if he takes the right fight, it, it'll be up on him if, if he takes it or not. And then they'll just cut him up. They fill him with under other contender guys. That's the danger too, of all these contender guys coming up through the rank is all of a sudden, if you're game enough to just go in there and swing for the fences, you could get a guy like this and build a name off of him first fight of the night and start it, out hot. Exactly, exactly. So 205 pounds, he might get another shot in there, but probably going to be a bet against him yeah, no matter who it is. <laughs> You'll have to remind me again, like, oh, yeah, and maybe, probably not. We'll be like, oh, KO'd by Anders, done, I remember. Yeah, exactly. The kiss of death. So at Bantamweight, 135 pounds, we had Ricardo Ramos or Hikado Ramos Coming in defeating the debuting Journey Newsome coming out of Portland, Oregon. It was a three-round decision in there. Hamos really showing his gas tank was getting better in there against the wrestler in Newsome. Couldn't really get his wrestling going and was starting to get picked apart pretty much from the beginning to the end. In that third round, we had a close almost finish with Ramos throwing that spinning elbow landing on Newsome. But I mean, Newsome literally dropped to a knee and got back up and stayed in the fight. So... It was a minus 300 favorite for a reason. I didn't have too much exposure to Ramos, honestly, on my DraftKings cards because I thought it was going to be a decision because the wrestler I knew was going to be tough and probably just try to grind it out. It went exactly that way. I mean, nothing to really take away. Ramos should have beat a guy like this, and he actually should have finished him. So, if anything, it might be a little bit still. Ramos, once he gets put into that deeper water, really starts to get limited as far as his trajectory. I kind of think it is he's going to always be stifled by a wrestler and never be able to show out. Um, so that'll just be my little, if I have to put an asterisk by it, like a quick note, like, oh, okay, not great with wrestlers. <laughs> but it, that's what I should do, have my little cue cards. Things to look back about Ramos, not good with wrestlers. 100%. Uh, I was impressed actually more with Newsom at this. I think it was a short notice fight. No, and a boy class. Yeah. So he's a one twenty five er, which they still just they he, still his, have fights. He doesn't seem like he could go up too much higher. He was a little guy. He, he did was seem little short in there. He yeah. was giving up a lot of size to the taller Ramos in there. Then we started the main card where we had 
Alonzo Menafield coming in against Paul Liberju Craig. This was a quick one in there. If you're following at Zoltanite at Week Deck, baby, you're going to end up getting those cards that were, dare I say, some of the top-notch freaking graphics out there. I really enjoyed our cards. I didn't see anybody really rival them. We were heavy in the paint with the purple. We were telling you guys, people, that we ended up liking. We had linchpins all over those fight cards. If you saw a crayon on Menafield, it was because I was going to go heavy in the paint. And boy, howdy, did it work. <laughs> it was a fun one. While it lasted 3 minutes and 19 seconds, Bearju was trying to get a takedown for all of his life in there. Ended up flopping to his back a few times. But Menafield, as we were predicting in the breakdown here, saying he comes from Fortis MMA, which is saying... Don't go to the ground at any cost. And Menafield really showed that. Turning his black completely and running away. He was high-stepping out of there and just not even willing to entertain the bear Jew on the ground. But the second he did it was because Menafield exploited an opening with an overhand right. This was some vicious ground and pound. This, as well as the Eric Anders fight, little late stoppages, would we say? For the refs in there, Anders was definitely late because he got three punches in there. That was Anders like... was definitely late. Uh, this one, it, it could have been right there. It was right there. Maybe a punch, maybe two. Not as egregious as the Anders one, but uh, I was actually impressed with Menafield's ring IQ in there for just the amount of fights that he's fought in the UFC. For a guy like Paul Craig um, to pretty much try to call him in at the whole step of the fight and for Menafield not to buy in one time, always taking it back to the center of the octagon. Almost, you almost wish things of this fight uh, Rocco Martin would have thought about later on. Maybe <laughs> we'll talk about it. But the exact things that I felt like Menafield did just uh, superbly throughout the fight that a young guy with this amount of pressure, uh, with his amount of, um, he seemed patient in there. Agreed. He picked his moment and that impressed me. Uh, totally, totally agreed in there. And again, he was, as you were saying, just the fight IQ, really on point, really pacing himself when, well in there. But again, the Bear Jew is a fade for a lot of people in general. I know. I so know. we can't get a mate uh, ultra hyped in there. Somebody who really does have takedowns because Bear Jew was bending over at the waist and reaching uh, where I said, I'm just like, oh, he's about to eat an uppercut. Like, that's gross. You don't do that against No, wasn't somebody. he? We were actually saying that we were impressed with his takedowns better than last time because he actually had a full follow through with the chain wrestling where we were like, okay. Right, right. Okay. He actually changed levels and shot. It was stuffed by Menafield, but Bear Jew did look like he was improving on his wrestling. Totally agree. <laughs> Then we move on to a but quick right, one. Fade, Paul Craig. Definitely I fade. Give, I don't even <laughs> want to give anyone the idea. <laughs> Moving on to 155 pounds. We had Drew Dober coming in against Polo Reyes. This ended up being a quick one. We were telling you to stay away from Drew Dober being 9,500 on DraftKings. And should it have? Drew Dober came in with a fire under his ass, moved forward, and... Didn't give Polo Reyes an inch. I mean, he showed that he was the better boxer in their clean out. There was no wrestling. If anything, I believe Polo Reyes shot in there. And that was because he was getting picked apart by, I mean, the freight train of Drew Drober. If Dober fights like that in other fights, he's going to keep winning fights. But he has to keep on that just because he moves amazingly forward. It but when he gets challenged, yeah. He looked like the freight train. Yeah, and just... Stiff as nails, like Laser tons beam. of power. Uh, 
the the ferociousness of his punches and I mean how long would that have been able to last is a question but who can withstand that holy hell it's almost like he came out with that Nganu, the old school Nganu, how it would just be like spark. It was just, you know, I rapid fire. It was amazing. Go back and watch Drew Dober's footwork in that. And he's doing a very awesome Muay Thai power style style where he was throwing a jab into a right. And then instead of resetting on his planted foot, he was just throwing a left, which all of a sudden turned into his power hand, which shows the amount of dexterity that Drew Dober has in there as far as his striking. Polo Reyes looked outclassed everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere in there. So Polo Reyes on a bit of a skid now, being finished multiple times. What do you think happens with Polo? Because I think it's three in a row now. At 155 pounds, there's too many other guys that need shots in there. Is it time? Uh, Is it time? Hasn't looked great. Um, Is Drew Dober, though, we're just giving him all this credit that he could go down as one of these guys that's making his run right now. Uh, Maybe one more for Polo? Maybe? If they want to give somebody else a shot. Yeah, off of his somebody, name. yeah, he has a big enough name to maybe give a new kid off the Contender Series a shot at it. I mean, if Polo Reyes goes to the fight of the year, he has to fight another debuting Korean fighter, and they're going to have a fight of the year contender in yeah. there. But what does that also say about the level of caliber that he's having fights of the years with debuters? Are you saying it's time? It might be time to get out of here, Mr. Polo Reyes. It's just... 34 years old, it's it's one tune. It's one he's on one path right now and it's just striking and he's getting outstruck outstruck in there. So to a humongous win for Latby, we went to 155 pounds where there was a big favorite in Roosevelt Roberts coming in against Vince from Hell Pushell. If you're following at Zoltanite here, you're cashing big. Specifically Going to be trying to get this out for fans a little bit earlier if we can, especially with this other fight card coming right around the corner. Was telling you guys on the show, was trying to convince y'all that Pushell is a better wrestler, has more power and boxer than Roosevelt Roberts. I liked what I saw from Roberts as far as his cardio, but you could see that if he doesn't get that submission or that uh, top position on the ground, striking-wise, he can start to get beat. And... Even in the takedown in the wrestling, Vince Pichel did a really good job of habibing those legs, settling up, holding them on the fence, and really setting a blueprint of how to beat the type of Roberts fighter in there. Even told you guys on this puesta, if you wanted to go plus 330 at a decision win, you ended up getting two rounds for Vince Pichel, the second and third, but it was a decided second and third rounds. It wasn't even close. Roberts had nothing after that first round. What you end up taking away from this, other than the money in your pocket? Um, I had Vince Bichelle on the show, so I'm glad I had him in places. I let the hype sway me to Roberts, and he really looked awful in there. He did not look good anywhere. That first round, he barely eked it out, whereas Pichelle, I think, won his rounds handedly. Yep. Uh, it, it's why scoring needs to be bigger than 10-9. There needs to be regular 10-8 and then 10-7 and 10-6. Because uh, there were some rounds in there where how can you give a 10-9 to Roberts for his first and a 10-9 to Vince Pichel for his second? That was a different quality of round handling. I that totally agree. That was a agree. different quality of round handling. Pichel was everything... Uh, 
He's going to be overlooked again. I hope he's an underdog again in his next fight. He does best, honestly, when he's an underdog. Pichel's one of these guys that whenever he's a favorite, it just, I don't know, but he says it himself even in interviews. He's just like, I just, it takes so much pressure off of him. He's able to just go out there and no one expects as much, but he expects a lot from himself. So, again, the veteran fighter coming through. Again, we doing something right here at Lappy. We watch this tape for a reason. We pay attention. And if you're sticking along, in the long run, you're coming out on top. Yeah, so make sure you're following everywhere because that's a new thing that will be coming out uh, where it will be – you know, because we were saying we might retire. Maybe we'll we have might? the Leslie's. The no, Drake no, curse no, no. of Lat B? Yeah, <laughs> retired. The Bandit's bonus is retired because it never worked for us. Um, we don't know if Leslie Smith, because she is signed with um, Bellator. Bellator, if legalities. If come of, back or right? if that feels weird, if there has to be a new one. Um, I bet we could sit and chew it over of, like, somebody who's, like, an underdog that always seems to come through for us. From Helmet is one of those type of fighters. Yeah. Just there. Well, we, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll think, think about, about it. it. Um, but this is something that is. Uh, sometimes it might be a weird parlay you put out. Sometimes it might be uh, a round that you choose. Sometimes it might be a fighter that you pick. So you guys have to be following because it's always going to be plus money. Always. A hundred percent of the time. hundred percent. You know, sometimes with the Leslie Smith underdog pick, we know the line's going to change. It's really close, but we still pick it because it's like a person's getting overlooked. You're like It's sometimes more emotional, but the puesta is always right plus money. And I will say to that caveat, if I don't see a plus money play, it might not happen. Yeah. So it can't be absolute guaranteed every week because I'm not going to expose myself to a bad play just because I don't see it. Going to force it, so... And we always also have our cards that come out um, at the Instagram as well. But we stamp them with the things that we like. We have um, our ones that we play heavy, our linchpins. We have our, uh, we put crowns or, you know, whatever, some kind of emblem to let you know we're going heavy on this guy. Like, or this guy is going to be on most of my cards. Right, right. Definitely pay attention on those because it is. Every detail matters. Everything. Even the circles around some of the guys that we have are bigger than the other ones. And that means kind of, you know, backing off of that one. So be sure to keep it in your repertoire because it all does make sense. There is a linear path. That we're There's a method there. to the madness. <laughs> Another method to the madness ended up being Rocco Martin against Damian Maya at 170 pounds. It will be relinquished. We gotta let a lion dog lie. Leave it alone. It's time to leave it alone. Unfortunately <laughs> for us, the bandits bonus is not worked out, and it is just Rocco Martin ended up emptying his bank account, putting a, all of his money. On himself to win as a plus 165 underdog, but Damian Maya came out at 42 years old and just showed how his grappling and just control ended up winning essentially all three of those rounds. Martin, I do think, gave a good showing of himself because a lot of people don't make it up, ask Lyman Good, once they get to the ground. So there was a lot of times that I saw the the chain wrestling of Maya getting stifled, but finally it came through. And when they were on the fence, Damian Maya was really looking to set up the finishing submission multiple times on Rocco, but Rocco wouldn't bite on hip, sticking his head in and just kind of kept his head back and really mimicked that uh, American top team game plan, which was Masvidal and Colby Covington. You could really see how they used the fence, but where 
Rocco Martin couldn't capitalize was finally get his legs free enough to get back to his feet and get it uh, in a neutral position. The ref even coming in late in the third round and standing a fight. Was it in the second round? Standing it where Damian Maya, I mean, Martin didn't have anywhere to go. So, unfortunately for us, didn't come through. Hoping it was gonna, it was one of two I got wrong all You're night. Right, Rocco Martin did get his. He was he was also great. He got his back up to the cage every time. So um, Damian Maya couldn't threaten him heavily, but and there may have been a few other times that maybe it should have been stood up. You know, it was kind of questionable. Even though we know uh, they were trapped, but he wasn't doing any work. It was stagnant. Nothing was happening forward or backward. <sighs> I like what I saw from Rocco because we know not everyone's as good as Damian Maya. The question is, what do you take from Damian Maya from this? I mean, he's the number 12th guy, which he fell off of a cliff because he was number four like two days ago. All of a sudden, <laughs> he's 12 and beating an unranked guy. So it doesn't do it. He's not moving forward. But as he should have fallen ranked. off a cliff because he lost to everyone. All of the, I mean, all of the top three. Yeah, but if, to me, it shouldn't be the guys you lose to as much as the losses in a row as well. Like I don't you, know if I agree you can't with just that. fall one place for one and then another one place with two losses in a row and other guys are on seven win streaks and you're still above them. Like something would have to give if you were a professional football team onto yourself. You can't have two losses you in a row and back still of the be yeah, it kind of and then three losses in a row. Like that's I think Damian Maya was on a three loss in a row. Thing. Yeah, but it was to Woodley Usman Covington. Oh man! So what? I think he should be able to be top ten. Easily top 10 still, but he's 12th, so I think he stays at 12th. But who's ahead of him is the question. True. They all might be guys. Like, but you know what? I think Maya is kind of ahead of Robbie Lawler. Hey, thank you. And Robbie Lawler's in the top 10? Yeah, that's crazy. The, ex- like, the rankings are insane. Absolutely insane um, in there. But yeah, this is what I take from Damian Maya. I, I will probably pick him if he is fighting once every eight months. I think his body at his age, if he has this, it's not because he took a ton of damage in this fight. He did take a good shot that he was in trouble at one point in the fight, but it's just, I don't think he's healing the same way. And when we saw him take those fight after fight after fight to essentially the guy with the exact same game plan, Mm -hmm. we saw him get slower in each one of those fights. I don't know if it was the guy's skill level one up as much as it was just, he's a crickety old, like, he needs a little oil in his joints. Definitely. Somebody with good takedown defense is just somebody I'm going to be looking to bet against Damian Maya because that's the key. That's the absolute key to the fight. Rocco Martin seemed slow on his feet. He seemed super tentative. He didn't look like the best version of himself even when they were in their stand-up. I would be tentative as well because anything you do, it gives them an option, but yeah, you have but to fight in there too. Even the lack of IQ come the last two minutes of the fight when, hey, homie, you lost this fight. You need what? to get this. It's like you, the some of the decisions that he makes seem like true. it lacked ring IQ. In the last 20 seconds, he should have backed up and not tried to strike on the ground with Maya and tried to like, finish him with a flying knee or something. But there was even a couple roll-throughs where Martin engaged Maya on the ground, and we were like, no, don't do it. He and he rolled through. on the stand-up, and then he went and tried to guillotine him. Yeah. And we were like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. So, anyway, there were some questionable things uh, about Rocco Martin. And it, 
I know there are like 170 guys, but it just seemed like he was slow. He was fighting slow or something. He didn't have as much pick-me-up as he normally does or as much speed in his hands. But I'm sure fighting off a boa constrictor for four minutes takes it out of you. So I, I still don't... have him as an underdog. I was about to say the same thing. If people overvalue this loss and think that Martin doesn't have anything to prove in there, he's going to beat a lot of other guys, especially as an underdog. On to the co-main event. We had 125 pounders coming in. Joseph Joby Benavidez coming in against Juicy Formiga. This was a round two TKO. The first one ended up finishing via three minutes. The second one went all into the four minutes and 47 seconds of the fight. Formiga looking better than he's ever looked. Uh, we said it here on the breakdown. Formiga has gotten better since he's been at uh, American Top Team and definitely is somebody to watch out for, but he's just how Joby is the Gustafsson. Formiga wasn't the Anthony Smith. He's more of the Andre Arlovsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to beat a lot of other guys in there, and he can even finish them on the ground, but there is just that level that he cannot get past, and Joby's one of those guys that's always going to be able to beat Formiga. If Formiga sticks around... We like him here as an underdog. He does better as an underdog in there. And it was just really interesting. Ended up finding out that the first time they fought, Joseph Benavidez was a minus 700. And he ended up getting around one TKO. Now it ended up being almost a pick em. Joe being a slight favorite, but really showing a plus 300 type of a game plan in there. Finishing it where a lot of other guys couldn't throughout the night. Joe B really showing out. What do you end up taking away from this, I mean, dismantling of Formiga? Formiga went to the ground a couple times, but Joe B just ended up using that Joe Jitsu and ended up squirming his way to top position, eventually head kick, finishing it for him. Uh, I actually had uh, Joey Benavidez as my linchpin, Whoop! which surprised me because I've kind of been hating on Joey B mm -hmm. for a little bit and just kind of got back on the bandwagon. He looked really great in his last fight. I don't think he's through, uh, and I knew he was going to be a guy that laid out a lot of points. Formiga put him in some dangerous predicaments a few times. He was Formiga was a little better on his hands than I thought he was going to be, but I love the uh, that cut, though, that thumb across the eyelid of Benavidez. I thought that was going to ruin the fight for Joey B. You could really tell it was affecting every other move that he was making, uh, so I don't know how much that played into it but uh i thought joey b looked good everywhere and he deserves that fight with zahudo next uh yeah he got me a lot of points I love definitely i like 108 everywhere. maybe a little more yeah what do you think with joey b and zahudo you think he goes too many places with that it's either that or it's sergio pettis he already did that but he said he lost he's, that um they're calling him two-time joe like uh joey two times because everything he does he has to do it twice like, he had to beat, this is the second time he just beat Formiga. Um, he had to fight, uh, he went through, like, a bunch of his losses and all the people to get back uh, Mighty Mouse. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, Cejudo, it, he'll have to fight him for the second time because he's already <laughs> fought him once. Joey B has so many nicknames and I love them. And I was thinking it was because of his hairstyle. You were calling him Joey two times. Hey, Joey two times! <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was looking all the sorts of Italian. Cake. The beefcake, Joey B. <laughs> exactly. So, Joey B, living his best life in there. Also getting a performance bonus, an extra 50 grand. Who else got it in there? It was um, 
Eric Anders, your boy. One other person ended up showing up and getting a big one. I think he was. The main event, we ended up telling you guys you're going to end up having to go on one side of this. And we all thought, well, everybody pretty much thought. It was a big favorite in there. One minute and 11 seconds. We had the 265-pounder coming in and showcasing his boxing in there. Junior Dos Santos didn't shoot at all. He ended up throwing a body jab in there. They went for kick for kick for a minute in there. Junior Dos Santos landing hard. Naganu turning. Ooh, the Predator looking hurt for a split second in there. But, I mean, those hands on anybody. I feel like we called that to a T here on the show. We said it's probably going to be TKO round number one because... Junior is just willing. He gave Taitu Ivasa the chance at times in there because he will wait in, eating a shot, expecting his chin to hold up because he has before, but not against Nganu, not against the African Predator. Not who's going to showcase. Nganu that's training with an Usman. That is a dangerous combination between those two. Usman needs better hands. Nganu needs better wrestling. Definitely. Those two men training together, dangerous for the rest of the UFC. Usman being in his corner, taking a break off of the desk because Usman was on the panel in ESPN in a suit, so he ended up running downstairs. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he had a twin. (laughs) So Usman in there um, in the corner, but... I have to say, Nganu as well looked like the best version of himself. Not just the power and doing what he did to Dos Santos, but he was the most patient version. He kept, instead of just flurrying, he kept getting back to the center of the octagon. He picked his moment for the first time and didn't just immediately, the second the first kick laid out, he just went forward. Right. Like, it was a very intelligent Nganu. Nganu also throwing kicks himself. We've never really seen that from him. Start. That's how the fight started, I think, was two Two nasty kicks from Nganu. Right. Which then I was like, oh, he needs to set him up and throw another one off. And he does. And we were like, "Uh oh, this is a wrinkle in the game for Francis in there. So definitely like what we saw from the prospect. But is Junior Dos Santos, he's not worn. He just beat three guys in a row that were prospects. So he still has a top echelon fighter. He's still going to beat 70%, 75% of the roster. But he's getting at that point where he's going to be a stepping stone, a gateway keeper to that top five at the heavyweight division. Yeah, I think Dos Santos could beat Kane. Right Agreed. Now. Agreed. There's a lot of the guys that he could definitely beat. Um, and I think uh, DC is never going to fight Francis Ngannou. That There's no way that happens. I know it seems like an obvious, like, oh, his wrestling will handle him everywhere. D- Francis has great takedown defense. And I think Stipe is going to have a whole different time with Francis if they have to fight again. I Francis, that loss is like, you know how we say sometimes the loss is the thing that makes you better? And right. we saw what how mental the game can be with the Derek Lewis fight. I do think if Francis fought Derek Lewis again, he beats him hands down. Um, but I do think Francis is a very so much more dangerous because of that loss to Stipe. I think everything so scary about him now. He realized what he had to do and it wasn't going and shoveling Sand two weeks it's before. It's crazy. A fight. I ha- would have Francis if him and Steve fight again. A lot of people were saying that last night. What, I heard what that about you? I mean, it's the those two top guys. It's the only fight for Francis. He's gotten a few wins in a row now. They've been devastating. How can you not in a, such a light division? I even like Francis's footwork when he was getting back to the center of the octagon. But I could also see this if it goes to Africa, where they give Francis a softball so that Cormier Steve can fight. Whoever wins off that gets Francis, 
and whatever. But in that time, Francis headlines or is a co-main event under Usman because Usman's a champ. Uh, and Francis ends up getting a flash uh, knockout against whoever it is. And it just, you know, helps him, helps put a little money in his pocket while that's time. I know, time. he's on what, a three-fight win streak? I believe so, against high-level competitors. Kane, who else did he freaking murder as of late? Curtis Blades. So, it was just Derek Lewis. Do you think he beats him again? Yeah, yeah. Because he lost that. the first one. Yeah, I know. I just think that was his head case fight. So, how about Derek Lewis in Africa? No, I'm not interested in that fight again. I don't I don't want to see him. I he deserves the championship. He do, he does he should take some time off and fight the loser of um Stipe Cormier. Uh-huh. But Cormier is not going to fight if fight Francis. And I don't think he's going to fight. It, it's going to be such big money. It could end up being Cor- what about Cormier and Ganu in Africa? I don't think Cormier takes that fight cuz he's already tried to retire many times. I think, it's I think too he says scary. He That's says, too scary. Hey young blood, go you go and take you got the juice young blood. That's what Cormier said. You got uh, it Francis. What about uh John Jones Francis Africa? All day every day. No, I don't think they do it in Africa though. I think they try to give African fighters wins and that's no, 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 no. That's a Vegas fight. That's a Vegas fight all day. What do you think? Who wins? That's a John Jones fight, baby. <laughs> Give me a John Jones in that. Easy, John Jones. That's easy. That's a two to one favorite, John Jones. I don't know. I think that's a nasty little weird fight. That's it. I, Francis's power is next level. He's a scary, you gotta scary hit. dude. You got to hit him, and John Jones is hard to hit. People yeah. underestimate that. I don't know. Well, you know, a very similar style as Francis is just, well, you know what? Francis is a lot more, um, like, go crazy. The two minutes that John Jones is going to have in there versus Santos is going to be a scary two minutes for John Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that first two minutes, that Santos, that sh- shot out of a cannon. Santos. We're about to see that essentially I at know, 205. That's, that's a great point. That's crazy. It's a great point. And that's at 209 or 239. DraftKings line's already dropping. We got a star-studded holiday weekend coming up at Lab B. It's going to be all sorts of money. This is going to be where we gain most of, a lot of fans. If you got friends out there, be sure to tell them it's going to be, again, money-making weekend. There's profile fights. And even if you're not trying to make money, maybe we'll make you laugh. Great point. So um, if you're following us at YouTube, you might get uh, it early. It might behoove you to follow us at YouTube. So think about what you're doing. Thanks for listening once again, and we will talk to you soon. Let me!